This is Socrates and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. And welcome to the Yellow Wall Pod. It's 2017 and this is episode 168. I'm your host, also this year, Stefan Butzko, and I'm joined by Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung and Matthias Zug, uh, who is more or less the founder of this show. So welcome, guys, and we are here to review the Hinrunde of Borussia Dortmund. And for that, we asked you, dear listeners, to chip in with some award categories because we will hand out awards. So, first of all, Konstantin, how are you doing? I'm fine. Happy to be here to the Dortmund version of the Golden Globes, I guess. Were you were you surprised with the outcome of the Golden Globes? Uh, you're asking me? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, Maybe you I don't really follow that stuff, to be honest. All right, fair enough. Matthias, are you a more astute follower of the Golden Globes? Uh, I think award shows should be banned. All right, and with that... <laughs> I think rich people giving rich people golden statues is the epitome of elitist narcissism. But maybe that's just me. So this is now poor people giving rich people uh, not statues, but <laughs> Verbal <awards>. compliments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. I'm, I, no, I'm gonna, I like I'm how, how this show is. Golden Globes and Oscars would be mo more interesting if they had some of the categories we have, like worst movie, worst actor in a leading role. I would watch those shows all the time. Yeah, right. That, that would just be to see the implosion. It would be magnificent. Oh, just so, so, yeah. some new stuff. Like we, we also have a best hair category. Right, the best tattoos and, and stuff like that. Or also like, like nominating two directors and, and stuff like that. And then uh, to win the actual award, they have to fight each other on a stage or something. <laughs> in, in, of course, in suits. <laughs> yeah. Just everybody would be too scared if the other director were Clint Eastwood. Yeah, probably because he, uh, he is the guy of the gun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and with that, sadly we don't have any fancy award music here, and uh, we I would start playing it if Constantine talks too long, but uh, not happening on this show, of course, this is all unedited, and uh, with that we start with the general awards, just two categories here, uh, it's best win, Matthias, take it away. I would have to say it was the victory over Hamburg. Um, because needless to say, since we've been doing this podcast, those victories over <laughs> Hamburg have been few and far between, to say the least. I want to say stars. maybe one. <laughs> Not counting All this right. one. This, this is very nice. Uh, Constantine, uh, what was your, uh, where, where does your award for best win go to? Uh, Which game? Yeah, I, I would choose the Bayern Munich win, I guess, because of the whole history. Um, still a rivalry. Although Dortmund is not a competitor this year uh, or ch uh, contender, um, so yeah, I thought that maybe it was the most prestigious win so far. Yeah, I agree with that. So moving on, worst loss, Constantine. 
yeah, there I will take the Frankfurt loss, uh, especially given that it was shortly after the Bayern win when you thought maybe they could, you know, catch up. Um, then uh, lose to Frankfurt, and yeah, that was pretty bad. Matthias, do you have a different loss that uh, you think was worse? I'd say the timing of that one was the worst right. one, but for me, the most the most annoying one was actually losing the Super Cup. Not because I care about the Super Cup, is because Dortmund were so much better than Bayern, and they still they still won. So you know that was kind yeah. of annoying. It was a I it was you. not a great way to start the season. <laughs> nah, you know, uh, I I think to me the worst loss, maybe not Frankfurt, but actually the tunnel loss against Leverkusen. Because Dortmund also just came off uh, 2-2 draw against Real Madrid and, uh, you know, an awesome winning streak. And you really thought the season is going well. And then, uh, yeah, they really fell apart against Leverkusen. Right, that was the most one-sided loss, I think. Um, the Frankfurt loss was really, uh, as Matthias mentioned, the timing was so bad. It was like, you, you win a high-profile match against Bayern, then you got this crazy encounter with Warsaw. Uh, which was, of course, a little bit out of order. Um, and then you lose to Frankfurt and you get knocked down. That, that was pretty much the start of like this, this below average, uh, final phase of the so-called Hinrunde, which is German for like the first part of the uh, season. I guess with that, we can move on to the individual awards. And I think we have about 20 ca categories for that. And we start with, uh, best player. And I will take this and I will nominate Mr. Socrates because I think he has been the most consistent player in the season and probably the most valuable considering Dortmund were not really strong defensively and uh, without his resoluteness, I think it could have been a lot more worse. Uh, Konstantin? Yeah, I will pick uh, Mr. Pastafatopoulos. What? Pastafatopoulos. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Matthias. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to pick Mr. Snuffleupagus. Um, I'm, I'm going to wow. pick. I'm going to pick the one and only uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah, that was really the only other option, was it? Because I mean, I, I think you could maybe throw in Weigel, but if if I say mm. if you take one player out, that would make us a, a, a squad significantly worse. It would be Aubameyang. You take him out. What do we have as a striker? Really, almost. Like I said, what do we have as a striker? <laughs> really? Oh, please. Aubameyang only scores tap-ins. Anyone <laughs> can do that. <laughs> uh, but nobody else does. So, um, yeah, I, because he's playing up front. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Obama. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, then who's the worst player? This is an interesting one as well. Uh, Matthias? Yeah, I have to say I'm not a big fan of this category. Um, oh come on! You just you just said you would watch it if if it was. <laughs> oh the well, Golden Globes. yeah. Well, yeah, the Golden Globes because they're all talentless hacks. Um, but I'm I'm looking at a sport where people are significant. Even the worst ones are significantly better than I ever was. Um, I, and I hate to do this just because we share the same first name. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with Matthias Ginta just ah. be just because every time. I see him in the back and the opposition attacking. I, I, I squint at the TV through my fingers because it, I, I just feel <laughs> like something bad's going to happen. Um, and I just, to me, he is 
the lowest quality player we have on the field. Mm-hmm. In that position, for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, well, it wasn't it wasn't a general thing, so you could have also named someone else, but Constantine. Yeah, for me, it's pretty obvious. Um, I take Sebastian Roda. No, yeah, no need for an explanation. Yeah, that category, by the way, was, was uh, suggested by Ed Schmelzig on Twitter, and he also wrote in brackets, Roda. So it was suggested by Luca. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Worst running gag right. of the year. In, in the history of this podcast, it's like yeah. Luca's <laughs> second account is... Any, anywho, while while uh, Matthias almost uh, won the award for best backpedal on on this podcast on this episode, um, I'm 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 gonna go with Park just because. Well, okay, he was that so, doesn't count. Well, is Park still? That, does, that doesn't count. What? Is he, is he, I, I mean, he's on the <laughs> roster. But right. Come on. Wow, that was like a cop out answer. I may have backpedaled at the end, but that's not even an answer, Stefan. All right, you know, I had wrote it down, but I thought for the sake of diversity, you know, who I also didn't really like this season so far is Lukas Piszczek. So there you go. Really? Really? Anyway, from yeah, not not too happy with him, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the worst player, but he's just not. Uh, I mean, up to yeah, my well, the thing is, the thing is, really, when you when you say the worst player is like overall the worst player. And maybe maybe yeah. the player with the most disappointing performances or something, yeah. Then you can take someone like Piszczek. Maybe, but I, I don't think he was that bad. I don't think no, so. No, he, he was average. That is true. <laughs> average that is true. Anyway, average moving... as a defender is still better than <laughs> most of the other guys at the back. Right. Anywho, we are moving on to the best goal. And... Uh... I think I have to agree with uh, Schmelzig once again. It's Weigel versus Sporting, but I'm sure there are a lot of different contenders to choose from, like Schule against Real Madrid, maybe. What does Matthias have to say on that? Um, It's hard to look past Weigel's goal just because it was one of those, you, when it happened, you went, holy crap. Uh, and, and that's kind of when you know it's a good goal. I would say just because it was so tense, uh, the <laughs> any of the three goals against Ingolstadt, uh, simply because not they were not that they were phenomenal goals, but uh, uh, they had to be scored and they got scored. But Weigel against Sporting, to me, hands down, would be the best goal. All right, any of Aubameyang's chips, Mister? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I I guess I have to disagree just because for the reason that the whole. You know, hindrance is like a plur, and I don't really remember uh, that many goals that were exciting or like just, yeah, well, well played or something. I don't know, you know, so I guess, yeah, Weigel. I mean, there are a lot of well teed up goals from Dortmund this Hinrun. I mean, we can. Yeah, but, but. Ponder on how bad they are defensively, but offensively, there have been a lot of great attacks. I think goals. there were a lot of goals that were like good. You think, yeah, okay, well played, everything, yeah, good setup. Um, but like tremendous goals, probably the Weigel goal is the best one. I don't really know, but yeah, I, I just agree. <laughs> Maybe there was one one goal uh, during the September or so, and I, I totally forgot about it. But yeah, probably probably the Weigel goal. Just go ahead. All right, all right. Best goal celebration, Constantine. Something involving Young. You stole my answer. Meaning is some somersault. Just some flippy shit involving Oami Young. I don't know. You know, maybe he put he put he put on a mask, maybe, or he 
he showed <laughs> some underwear. I don't know. Took a selfie, <laughs> something like that. All right, Matthias, Mati- Mat- you are also logging in uh, Aubameyang. Yeah, might as well. I honestly don't even pay attention to the celebrations. All right, here's my favorite one. It was the three-three goal celebration uh, against Ingolstadt, where Pulisic scored, I think, and Paslak and Pulisic were going nuts. While <laughs> Tuchel was absolutely losing it because uh, there were till still a couple of minutes to play and Dortmund could have potentially won the game. But you know all, this this youthful joy of of scoring the equalizer so late in the in the game, even though there was so much at stake. But they just forget forgot for a second that they are professionals and have to carry on. I, I think that that was pretty cool. And I also really liked the celebration of uh, Pulisic when when Paslak scored his first Champions League goal against Liga Warsaw. I think yeah. That was just awesome in, in the fact that, you know, Pasak wasn't only the, the youngest goal scorer for Dortmund in the Champions League, but also just those, those two guys, they've went through the youth levels and now they're doing it in the Champions League, you know, scoring goals and then playing well. And yeah, that, that was, that was kind of inspiring and I really liked that. So, you know, just a little joy there. Um, best assist, Konstantin. Uh, I don't know. Really? All right. <laughs> Matthias. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to remember the match, but I, there were a a couple from Dembele on the left side, um, and I can't remember the match, but I remember the assist to Obama Young, another tap in. Anybody can score except Ramos, uh, and uh, just thinking, wow. So, so I I don't remember the match. It's really annoying, but I'm gonna go with a Dembele assist. I'm a bit on the fence here because one of the favorite assists of a- anyone, I guess, is uh, the Mario Götze assist for Aubameyang, who scored then a tap-in against uh, Bayern. As uh, Götze nutmegged Hummels with the assist, I think there was, there was a bit of poetic justice in that. Um, then again, I also really liked the assist of Mark Batra against uh, Wolfsburg. I think he set up the first goal for Rafael Guerrero, if I'm not mistaken, in the 11th minute or so. Um, that was also a very, very cool assist. So, um, yeah, something between that. But, uh, you know, if if you have to nail me down, I'm going with Götze there, just for the sake of, of the meaning of it. And uh, with Guerrero, we can also maybe move on to Category 7, which is the biggest absence. Matthias. Birki. Roman Birki in his, I mean, we all love Roman Weidenfeller, but I mean, wow, father time has hit him hard. And, uh, you know, everybody loves to, not everybody, I don't, but there are plenty who love to slag off Birki. Oh, he's not that great. He's not that good. Well, now we've seen just how good he actually is. So I'm going to say Birki's been the biggest absence uh, due to his prolonged injury. Yeah, I, I guess I agree. Um, plus the Socrates injury was pretty bad. It's like you have a shaky defense and then your, your best defender's out. Eh? Um, so, but yeah, I think Berkey, um, that was pretty, pretty, pretty bad for uh, everything. Like, like we're on Weidenfeller. Um, how old is he now? 36, something, yeah. 37, maybe. Uh, yeah, he really moves like, a at least 37 year old maybe more like a 45 year old sometimes he's he's really slow and trying to go down and um i don't know what it is maybe maybe it's like you know worst just because he's sitting on the bench all the time uh, but i guess age is catching up with him all right then uh, my vote will actually go to um 
Oh god, there are so many. There's Sven Benner, but there's also Marco Royce, who was a big miss, and Guerrero. Just so many injuries and so many players. Oh god. <clears throat> but but I think in the end I will uh, go with Sven Bender. Because uh, this Dortmund defense lacked a lot of resoluteness. And uh, whenever he was back, Dortmund yeah, looked way more resolute. And I think uh, the biggest absence overall is automatism. Yeah. <laughs> resoluteness and automatism. Yeah. Man. Stefan is digging deep into the Oxford Dictionary. Definitely. I mean, why not? All right. What, what, what's next? Uh, unsung hero, Matthias. Uh, well, you said I'm not allowed to say Socrates. What? No, you uh, are. Every, everything is allowed. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Socrates. Okay. I'm actually going with Berkey. That's my pick. Constantine? Mine too. I think Berkey. Yeah. All right. Best newcomer. Did, did we skip the best performance category? Did we? Oh, yeah. Best performance in the match. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Thanks for reminding me. So there you go, Constantine. Best performance in the match. Yeah, I think uh, Osman Dimbele against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. God damn it. It was mine. All right. Lars isn't here to, to uh, nominate Mikel Merino for one of his two performances. So, uh, Matthias. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, think about this one. Um, the suspense. The suspense, the suspense. Uh, I'm going to go with Christian Pulisic against Legia Warsaw. Yeah, that was a crazy game, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. With that, best newcomer, <laughs> Matthias. Uh, best newcomer. I'm going to have to go with Usman Dembele for a few reasons. One... Um, it would have been Rafael Guerrero, but he is injured out too long, so I'm not going to give it to him. Um, it can't be Emre Moore because no, Mikel Marino is getting <laughs> a chance. So it would, for me, it would have to be Usmane Dembele, uh, just because I actually think he's really, really good, despite what, uh, um, some people think of him, saying, you know, he's just a YouTube guy. I think that speaks of ignorance and lack of intelligence to say something that stupid. And I think he is... Uh, maybe he's more of a Vimeo guy anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a matter of... Yeah, he tried that a little bit in the beginning, but he's matured so much in such a short period of time. Um, and, yeah, occasionally he has that where he dribbles himself into a corner, so to speak. But I'll take that once in a while for the other moments that he provides especially given how young he is and he's only going to get so much better. Constantine, any objections? No. All right. And I also have to agree with all Matthias just said. So um, with that, we come to most inconsistent. Um, and I think we here on the panel also more or less agree on, on the player to speak of. And for me, that's Gonzalo Castro really started well into this season, but then dropped off significantly. And I think we've already said it on this show countless times that he is a streaky player and uh, can only be rivaled by one Shinji Kagawa. So, um, Matthias, most inconsistent player for you? Well, since the category says most inconsistent and you didn't write the word player, I'm going to go with the entire defense. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the entire performance. No, I, I would, uh, narrowing it down to one person in defense would be Mark Bartra. Um, he is highly inconsistent within matches. 
you know, I mean, Gonzalo Castro goes through streaks as in he has a good match and a bad match. Uh, Bartra has great moments and horrendous moments in the same match. Honestly, within the same five minutes sometimes. <laughs> uh, so if he can get that inconsistency somehow under control in a positive way, of course, he doesn't need to be consistently bad. Uh, I think he could be <laughs> absolutely fantastic, but I'm going to have to go with Mark Bartra. Yeah, Bartra always has like uh, his first five-minute cock-up. I think that's a very consistent pattern from him, that within the first five minutes there will be one horrendous uh, key error in the game where you uh, think, oh my god, <laughs> what, what's what's his job actually? <laughs> um, Constantine, I wouldn't of course skip you in this beautiful category, who's the most inconsistent um, this, despite him only having played like uh, eight matches so far, I think Kagawa earns the title of being uh, the most inconsistent player. Um, because he's like, he can be great, but often enough, too often, he's like, he's someone who digs a hole and just hides for 50 minutes. Yeah. And he's a small guy, so the hole doesn't have to be that big. All right. Good thing you mentioned that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Made such a difference. All of right, course. cool. <laughs> Most improved player, Constantine. Before yeah, that's, you that's dig a, any that's more a weird holes. one. Yeah, sure. Digging holes. Um, that's a weird one. Um, because I don't really know who got better. <laughs> um, but then going through the uh, the squad, um, I found one. Artyom Nomas, compared cool. to a lot of his awful performances last years, I think. He's one who got better. Matthias? Uh, well, I also picked one, um, you know, looking through it. And it's got to be my man, Christian Pulisic. I think he's matured a lot. He's gotten better uh, over last season. And when he plays, he's a difference maker. He's exciting. And um, so I'm going to have to go with, with Pulisic. All right. I was there to agree with you there. Matthias, but for the sake for diversity and for the sake of just annoying you, I will go with Matthias Ginter because uh, he played much, much better at center back this season than uh, ever before he did in the Dortmund shirt. And I think that deserves an honorable mention on this show because he has received a lot of stick and I, I think he actually uh, improved on that position tremendously. Although it wasn't really hard to get better, but you know, still. You know, Christmas is over, right? You don't have to give away presents. But 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 that's <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. You you mentioned it, like uh, you saying that he is the most improved player, and Matthias saying that he's the worst player. Both statements don't contradict each other. No, <laughs> he can be improved and still suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> he comes from like really 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 low level. <laughs> Well played. Well, I was aware of that. Um, and of with that, we move on to best impact player slash super sub. Constantine, I got nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you got nothing. Um, maybe Rafa, Rafa Guerrero. I mean, he, he got four subs in the Bundesliga, I think. Um, and he was, he was always great. I mean, of, of course, only four matches, but still. Matthias? Well, this is going to surprise you. I'm going to actually say Adrian Ramos. Uh, I think he's a good sub. He's a good 30-minute, 20-minute, 15-minute a match guy who can come in with fresh legs and make a difference against tired 
and worn down defenses, I don't think he's a good player from the start. All right. I'm going to go with... No, I'm not going to go with Angeschule. Never mind. <laughs> Why not? Well, he he was he is actually a good sub, and uh, against Real Madrid, he really turned things around after coming on. But then again, uh, I think Dembele is a better sub whenever he came on, just the same as uh, you said about Guerrero. Uh, but Dembele made... starts more matches than he gets subbed in. That then... is true, but when he gets subbed in, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Schule, I, I agree with you on Schule because that's essentially the role he plays for Germany. Exactly. As, a, as an impact used to play in the we last 15 see. minutes. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now one of my favorite categories here, the man who would not be allowed to be great, <laughs> uh, is by uh, at number nine on Twitter. And uh, his nominees are Paslak and Merino. I know who, was, uh, who would be on Lars's ballot. But, uh, you know, everyone does. So, Matthias, who's on yours? Moritz Leitner. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. No. This uh, cannot be topped. <laughs> Nuri Shahin. Who? Yeah, good call. Who, Nuri who, who, who's that? The Yurikorn. Oh. <laughs> Haven't heard of him. Yeah. Konstantin, do you, do you have a... So you you mentioned Lars, who is the uh, chairman, vice chairman, and treasurer of the Michel Marino fan club. Um, he's not here, so to represent <laughs> him and his club and his you know his fan society, um, I will pick Michel Marino. I'm going with Paslak. I mean, he was allowed to be great, but then in the second half of the first half of the season, he suddenly vanished and there was Eric Durm playing and someone has explained that to me and uh, you know just after the impressions of the friendly match Dortmund just beat uh, Sanat Liege three to nothing with a really nice puzzle goal I have no idea why he didn't come out later so I don't know all right Konstantin best new tactical trend hmm that's How? that's really difficult you <laughs> know like most of the tactical approaches were only so so, uh, but when you think about it, I guess the um, employing the outside in striker um, in the final phase of the Hinrunde was maybe the best tactical um, yeah option Tuchel chose. So yeah, I guess like uh, the outside in striker, like what um, Dembele played um, in against Cologne, against uh, Gladbach, against um, Hoffenheim, I think, if I remember correctly. Like, in the matches when he was on the pitch, he played, like, an outside-in striker, not, not a real winger. Uh, he will take on defenders a lot, but he will room between Aubameyang and the half space, and, yeah, that's maybe the best tactical option so far. Yeah, I would have... I just had to had more or less the same uh, thing written down that... Dembele, yeah, almost deployed sometimes in, in defensive midfield. I uh, think this is definitely a new trend we we saw at the end of the of the uh, Hinrunde. Is that Dembele, yeah, moved towards the center to to uh, tackle and 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 play around defenders and as as you said, Konstantin in the half spaces. And I think that's where the where he is the most dangerous and uh, with the lack of uh, creative midfield a la Gunuan, I think that is a good ploy let's say to um, to replace the creativity by letting Dembele dribble through the middle 
and uh, it's very effective. I think uh, RB Leipzig do similar things with Nabi Keita, and uh, you know, that's working out quite well. So, Matthias, do you have a favorite tactical uh, trend? Not in the Bundesliga. I really don't see a significant amount of innovation right now in the Bundesliga. It's it's variations of the same tactic. Um, I don't know. I mean, is it a, a new tactical innovation that Bayern are boring? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, um, within the Bundesliga, nothing. Moving on, worst ref call of the year. Too bad Lars isn't here because he remembers them all. Um, I guess something during the Hoffenheim match, or maybe maybe uh, a penalty not given against Frankfurt, something like that. But as you mentioned, Lars would be the right person to like really point on one decision that was, you know, worse than the others. I don't know. There was a barrage of of uh, really tough fouls, uh, especially against Cologne. I remember a couple of ones where uh, Socrates was kicked and uh, I think it only yields in a yellow card, which should have been a straight red, um, for example. But there are also a couple of handballs and stuff like that and penalties not given. Um, so I cannot really point to the one call. Um, obviously, there is the sending off of Marco Reus against Hoffenheim, which was a terrible call, but I will... <laughs> give at least the, bene the benefit of the doubt to the referee that in, in real time, you know, it at least could have looked like Royce did something there. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't name that the worst call. Uh, Matthias, you maybe have something you were really angry about and, and remember that now. Every time Wolfgang Stark is on the pitch? Does that count? <laughs> no, it's the worst ref call, not the worst ref. Oh, we oh, are very okay. specific. Here, Every time he blows the whistle, that. then does that narrow it down? <laughs> no, no. I I think it's hard to look past the Hoffenheim match as a whole. You know, I mean, every single Hoffenheim, the Hoffen all Hoffenheim goals should not have been allowed. Michael Weiss never should have gotten a red card, uh, second booking, or even a foul of anything. He was the one who got fouled. Uh, that it's hard to look past the performance of the guy who I don't even remember ever having seen before uh, ref that match. So, All right, so uh, summarizing the f very first whistle of the Hoffenheim game. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Because everything that followed was bad. Yeah. All right. By the way, the, the ref was Benjamin Point. Ah, yeah. See, there's something we remember here on this show. Um, I just looked it up <laughs> on who scored. Sorry. <laughs> All right, whatever. Moving on. Best Tuchel quote, Constantine. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, he he had some he had some interesting quote, uh, quotes uh, during Hinrunde. I guess I, I like I like it or I find it funny when um, his team um, has like a, a bad performance or like you know spells of the game are bad, and then after the match he's just like I don't know what happened. That's like the best tool. if he's like a little bit, you know. Um, just Im impressed and unimpressed at the same time. It's like, I don't know, just just bad. Or when he gets annoyed with his team, when he is uh, when he's on the edge of like insulting his team. That's that's also a good Tuchel. I like it. It's good for entertainment. All right, uh, Matthias, how did Tuchel entertain you throughout the year? I mean, or the half. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you have to say that he has the unenviable task of following Jurgen Klopp. 
uh, who always has a good quote pretty much every time he talks to someone. Speaking of quotes, I remember you saying uh, when we uh, had our great show where we predicted Breitenreiter to come on as the coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you basically said is you don't want to be the guy after the guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that still holds true. And Tuchel yeah. said it a couple of days ago. No, I mean, that's that, that's the standard. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, no one wants to be Alex Moyes. So, uh, for multiple reasons. But I would say probably his comments after the Leverkusen match, you know, when Roger Schmidt was talking about how he saw an equally balanced and fair match and Tuchel was just kind of sitting there and looking at him like, what are you, out of your damn mind? And he just listed foul statistics to start with um, and, and went from there and said, oh, yeah, totally a fair match. Mm-hmm, okay. I don't know what match you were watching. To me, that was one of the best ones because it kicked off a huge debate. I think the pro Bayern lobby came out in force and didn't actually listen to what he was saying. Uh, because Tuchel was 100% right in everything that he said. And we saw it again and again and again uh, after Leverkusen that the tactic employed, and I think the Köln match was pretty bad too, uh, for for teams against Dortmund was is basically kick them out of the game. Um, see if we can kick Dembele out. See if we can kick Royce out of the match. And so that for me was the best quote because not only was it funny, uh, because Wolga Schmidt said something idiotic again, but also because it's true. Matthias, in hindsight, do you think Tuchel kicking that debate off, uh, meant that even more Bundesliga coaches thought, hmm, this might be a good tactic against Dortmund? Or do you think they would have done that anyway? I think they would have done that anyway. I mean, The teams that can play with Dortmund, play with Dortmund. The teams that know they can't or don't think they can, they resort to that kind of crap. Um, whether it's Köln, Hoffenheim was pretty bad too. Uh, Frankfurt was pretty bad too. And it just, uh, I, I don't think him saying it had anything to do with that. Um, I think they all knew what they had to do to somehow win or what they perceived that they had to do to win. Yeah. I, I agree with you when Tuchel said that 20 fouls per game are too much. That amused me as well. Right, but Although, I think I think the problem with like a statement like that is that um, it gives your players an excuse to some extent. It's it's something that happens a lot uh, at, at top teams, you know, when it's not going well and you get fouled a lot and then the coach says, yeah, uh, we get fouled, our players get fouled a lot and that's, you know, unfair and... They they got hurt, etc., etc. Then you give at least the you give your players the chance to have an excuse. You know, yeah, we get it's it's an unfair match. Um, you know, that's like if the ref would would call every foul and would send them off, then we would win the match, right? Well, well some kind of excuse. Right? I, I agree with you to a point when it's yeah. Jose Mourinho. <laughs> right. Um, after they lose legitimately. He'll always come up with excuses because Jose Mourinho can't just lose because the other team outplayed them. Um, I think in this case, this was different. This wasn't, first of all, he wasn't the one who necessarily went down that, that rabbit hole. I, th um, I think the, the, the instance that really kicked that train of thought off was just the, the amount of injuries 
Mm -hmm. the, pro the problem was that that yes, of course, uh, Schmidt, uh, Roger Schmidt's uh, statement was was a little bit ridiculous, but um, they got steamrolled uh, against Leverkusen, so it was really a bad timing because like that was the the worst match to bring up something like that, I guess because like it it, it hadn't it hadn't something to do with fouls was just that Leverkusen was the better team. Well, they were also the better team because. Because they because they fouled, you know they disrupted any form of rhythm that that Dortmund had, and we've seen it happen again and again and again. Um, again, I'll say Köln, um, okay, Ingolstadt. They just got lucky, but if we look at Köln, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, it's that same thing. It was fouling to disrupt any chance of a rhythm building up, and um, you know, I mean, is there a little bit of an excuse in there? Yeah, you know, you got to figure out a way to get over that. And maybe that's where someone like Sven Benda is missing because guys like him or Socrates, they'll kick back. And occasionally you need a guy like that. You can't just have Schuller's and Royce's and uh, Guerrero's out there who are brilliant technical players. You also need an occasional person in there who's got a bit of a physical edge to them. Like Koda, yeah. Woo. I'm more, I, well, more like Sven Benda. All right. <laughs> you know, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, it's just my two cents. All right, fair enough. Uh, what are your two cents on the best tweeter, Matthias? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the... Okay, I was about to say something, so I won't say it. Um, but I, I don't care. All right. If, if, no, nobody... The Okay. No go. footballer ever has anything interesting to say on, on Twitter most of the time because most footballers are boring. They are – there's no character allowed anymore. They're coach. They have multiple PR people. They have a social media person. They have someone just dedicated for Twitter, someone just dedicated for Facebook. It is so filtered that it's – you know, I, I don't follow – footballers twitter accounts because they're boring now when they retire and become pundits then it gets interesting but other than that there's no best tweeter from dortmund constantine do you do you have someone whose tweets you enjoy i mean even if they all suck there can still be a best one yeah sure i mean if you if you want your typical you know 20 something um millionaire professional footballer then just follow Aubameyang. Um, but I was impressed by Mario Götze because he stepped up his Twitter game, especially when you when you look back. You at mean he stepped down his Twitter game? No, he stepped. I mean, he, he improved his performance <laughs> on Twitter uh, because, like, remember what he did when he uh, played at Bayern? It was like he had the most ridiculous um, Twitter account of all the German players, and now he's he's a decent Twitter player. All right. I think it has something to do that he fired. Uh, fired his agency, but who knows? Yeah, definitely. Um, that that is that is the sole reason. And uh, yeah, he ch he tried to change his image. Um, my award to best tweeter will definitely also go to the trash can like Matthias's, cause they all now there's just nothing in there where I would say, yep, you deserve an award for your Twitter account. Nope, naha, nada niente. So. <laughs> That we go to best tweet. Konstantin, I think you are the only one who did. Yep, I did uh, in-depth research here. 
Um, and I think I will pick, uh, Mario Götze's treat from, um, October the 21st. Um, he is sitting on an airplane, uh, with Roman Weidenfeller and Lukas Piszczek uh, behind him or next to him. And he treats the old man at the exit. Young Mario Götze fire, firing shots. Yeah. I, I don't know, really know what happened after he, he was treating that, but I guess he, you know, was choked out by both or something or they, sit on him for for the rest of the flight but who knows we don't know the phones were in air, airplane mode i mean they, they were sitting next to the door so but he survived i guess but maybe where he was still yeah, no loss no loss of cabin pressure i i think we would have heard of that yeah all right matthias did you pick up out a tweet in the meantime no <laughs> i'm right. boycotting this entire category all right, me me too. Um, you are also boycotting the next category, which is best hair. <laughs> That's just jealousy, really, is what it is. Um, best of hair this, of best hair of the half season panel included from uh, at the Brunnenstadt. So God. Matthias, <laughs> trying to remember what any what everybody even looks like. I don't know anybody who has hair. Weidenfeller. Weidenfeller has a nice quaff. <laughs> All right, Constantine. Yeah, I mean, I would agree because, like, uh, if I grow my hair a little bit out, then Weidenfeller and we we are on par, I think. So, yeah, no, you know, just he's he's a hair problem, so to say. Um, or if we, you know, leave beautiful Dortmund, then I would say, of course, Mats Hummels. He stepped up his hair game. He's like, yeah, yeah, especially blonde. Yeah, of course, that, that's that the that's so the only bad. thing I'm talking about, not his, you know, normal one-on-one -on -one hairstyle. No, I mean... Blonde. That was actually worse than Messi going blonde. Uh, Messi going blonde is it's like fine. He's like... He, uh, Messi is, is your, you know, your buddy you are playing a PlayStation with. So, and sometimes they show up and wear some ridiculous hoodie and have, like, the hair dyed or something like that or, like, got blonde. Um, so it's not no offense. But Hummels, yeah. <laughs> no offense to your PlayStation buddies, all right? Yeah, no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't have PlayStation buddies. <laughs> <laughs> You're more of an Xbox guy. Exactly. You are the old man at the exit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> old man at the Xbox. Yeah, any anywho, um I I think uh it still counts as the first half season uh Master Schmelzer's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh you know, it, it just said hair, it didn't say top hair, you know, could be facial hair, I guess, too. And the thing is a mustache, you know, only a few men on this earth can pull off. A good mustache. It's, that's really difficult. Yeah, <laughs> it is. If you want to, if you want to see see a real man who has with a mustache, then uh, Google Don Fry. All right, I will do that. Right. Or Tom in, Selleck. The, in, in 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 the meantime, uh, Matthias, you can answer the best tattoos category. I don't know. I don't look at other men's bodies that closely. I don't, it's not really something I pay attention to. To me, it just all looks like black ink. <laughs> that's the you same know. Here. I mean, I honestly, no from from the stadium view or whatever you, you can see on TV or – I mean, TV, you probably get a better view than if you're sitting in the stands. And sitting in the stands is just a bunch of yellow dots running around. So, I I don't know. I don't care. It, yeah. I have no idea. All right. Really fun categories here with us on the yellow pod. <laughs> Constantine, can you once again uh – you're, rescue us no not really i mean i i don't really can give uh for whole judgment here because i don't shower with the guys so i only see parts 
of the tattoos. Breaking news. <laughs> right. So I don't really know, but, but I think <laughs> the number one guy in this category would be, would be, uh, Thomas Tore if he has some sort of, you know, tribal tattoo or something. <laughs> Tramp stamp. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe something, or maybe even something worse. We don't know, you know, but if he has a tattoo, then he's number one, of course. Well, my so girlfriend, good. my girlfriend is telling me Roman Burki has the best tattoos. I think the worst tattoos are on on the worst body, I guess. Right. My my favorite tattoo would be the the uh, one on Kevin Großkreuz's calf, where he has the skyline of Dortmund. And now he's playing it's, for Stuttgart. Playing in Stuttgart. Exactly, which is why it doesn't count. <laughs> it's like That's a Ma- Marcus Bubble kind of tattoo. Then. That. I guess concludes all our categories. Uh, Matthias, is there anything else you want to say and analyze about the first half of the season? <laughs> uh, I'm glad it's over. No, um, wasn't that bad? Come on. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. I'm not. I'm not negative. I'm quite optimistic. I think it, it with one or two performances not included, more or less, it it progressed exactly what I figured it would. Uh, with a couple of bad performances in there. Given the changes, I didn't foresee another injury crisis. That's something that they really need to look at, what the problem is. Um, be that uh, training, uh, be that medical staff, be that nutrition, uh, where the problem is. So that's something that's been a consistent issue from Klopp to Tuchel. So I think uh, if I have to look back, that's something that I really hope the club investigates deeply because it's an issue it's a problem if we would have been um 100% healthy the entire time i have no doubt that Dortmund would at least be third um if not second and it's not a coincidence that aside from bayern you know the the teams ahead of Dortmund are not playing in europe yeah that is very true um maybe europe is a keyword because we actually haven't mentioned the champions league season but mm-hmm. so far with one word and i i think uh, that this is the most positive thing coming out of the season so far that dortmund topped a group with real madrid once again and uh, especially looking at what kind of players played in those games in the champions league i mean we had pasak we had pulisic we had even bonich for crying out loud against sporting and uh <clears throat> Yeah, there there were a couple of fun games against Legia, for example, but uh, I don't think the the matches against Sporting were too easy, and uh, you know, drawing against Real Madrid twice isn't isn't so easy these days either, especially if you uh, come back from behind. So that was that was pretty good, and obviously a boost for the morale. And I think also very important for the young players and their self understanding in the, in the club that uh, they know they can perform in that level. Obviously, we talked about the inconsistencies and that this is not always the case, but it's still good to know that it can be the case and with a bit more consistency, it can also be the case more often. And uh, yeah, it's a nice outlook on what's possible with this team. And Julian Weigel obviously extended his contract saying that he believes in the potential of the team. And I don't, I think... This Champions League campaign has something to do with that. Obviously, there are a lot of good games in the Bundesliga as well, but the Champions League is always something else. And yeah, there's just something positive there, so let's mention that. Konstantin, anything uh, you want to highlight, maybe? No, no highlights, only lowlights, or almost only lowlights. <laughs> 
Why are you always so negative? Before the before the season, you said Dortmund will be relegated. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm closer to the truth than the guys who said, ah, oh, well, they will challenge Bayern. <laughs> Look at the table. Who said that? I know that there are guys out there. I believe there are people out there. Yeah. They are, I, I don't have proof now, but there are people there. I believe strongly in that. Um, no, um, seriously, there were a few good performances, only good performances, um, a couple of average and below average performances, and a few like horribly bad performances. So, um, it can only get better, I think. And hopefully, Dortmund will at least. Um, end up third or so, you know, behind Bayern and Leipzig. And who knows, Leipzig. That's not a relegation spot, though, Constantine. You know, that I was choking. But I wanted to make a point that Dortmund isn't that good this, point this season. Point made. And I'm right, I guess, because, like, look at the matches and look at the table. So, yeah, I think they could bypass teams like uh, Hoffenheim um, and maybe even Leipzig. We don't really know how consistent they will be um after the winter break maybe they will have some kind of a dip um so yeah i think third or even like the one up could be something dortmund could manage to to achieve matthias we look back now i guess Constantine started to look ahead so i guess that's what we do now so where do you think dortmund will end up second or third all right i guess that's the most realistic answer uh, and yeah, no, I mean, Bayern, Bayern's going to win the title. Bayern's going to win the title. Leipzig's not going to win the title. Um, I mean, who would have thought there would have been a club this season that actually makes me prefer Bayern? Uh, but I think Dortmund will finish second or third. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to advance past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. It depends. Personally. So that, I, I just don't think they will. I definitely don't think they're going to advance past the semifinals. But if they don't make it past the quarterfinals, I think that'll actually, it's a blessing in disguise kind of a thing. Um, and it'll relieve some of the pressure on the players uh, if the injury issues continue. And I think the teams above them will start to drop off. The, the, the thing is, if you look at uh, the Champions League uh, matches, if they get the winner of Porto versus Juventus, Sevilla versus Leicester, uh, Leverkusen versus Atletico, even Man City versus Monaco, they could get into the semifinals. In I mean, theory, that's yeah. like beatable opponents, really. Like Atletico Madrid is not that good this season. Juventus is kind of tricky, yes. Uh, Manchester City, of course, they are uh, a tough opponent, but they are beatable. And then like Sevilla or Leicester? No, Sevilla, Leicester, Porto, Monaco are all teams that Dortmund should and could right. beat. I think City is a that's a stretch. I think Atletico they won't. They just won't because Simeone he will just send the guys out to beat the ever living crap out of Dortmund, and that'll be the end of that. Well, we will see. I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, or maybe we won't. Maybe they just crash out against Benfica. Yeah, right. It's possible. Yeah, I'll be honest. It would be absolutely amazing. You know, I mean. Dortmund would never be invited back to Portugal um, at this point, which is probably going to happen anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, no por if we play against Portuguese teams, we tend to do well. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I'm already looking forward to that trip. So uh, just so you know. 
Anywho, I guess with that we can uh, conclude this episode and uh, we shall be back next week with a preview for the Bremen game, right? Yeah, that's uh, match day 17 and will actually be the end of the Hinrunde. So after that, it will be Mainz and Leipzig. So couple of couple of good games to to find back in the season. Um, so I'm I'm looking for I'm looking forward to the start. Uh, Matthias, in in general, do you think Dortmund will hit the ground running? Yes. Good brief compact answer, Constantine. <laughs> I didn't realize there was more to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I was just stalling. So <laughs> I agree. All right. I'm a I'm a bit more skeptical on that. But uh, good to know. Just close the show. Yeah, that is what I will do now. So, Constantine, please do tell our listener, as always, where they can find you and your brilliant work on the internet and especially on Twitter. On Twitter, cc underscore eckner and spielverlagerung.com. Check Ooh. it out. All right. And on occasion on yellowwallpot.com, maybe. All right. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, especially you can, you can check out my latest piece on spielverlang.com, um, short analysis of Dortmund's recent issues. And also you can check out a long form on Airy Leipzig. All right. Matthias, where do listeners can check out your long form pieces on Airy Leipzig? <laughs> uh, right next to the shitter. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, you can what? find me. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. That is very nice. <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'm not going to search for any long form pieces of Matthias anytime soon. So um, on RB Leipzig. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. It could be on uh, cooking. I don't know. Whatever you. <laughs> what, you, you what, what, what Suk is cooking dot com. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think Matthias shouldn't go too overboard with his projects. He's already very uh, much in the gaming scene. Do you have a Twitch channel, Matthias? I do not. I do not. That is very sad. Anyway, you can find me at <laughs> Stefan Butzko <laughs> on Twitter. You can find the show at Yellow Wallpot. Uh, you can read all the articles we post on yellowwallpot.com. You can find the show and subscribe to it and rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, And SoundCloud. And uh, with that, there was episode 167. No, 168. There we go. Goodbye. Way to fumble. See you next week. (laughs) As always. Legend. (laughs) See ya.